For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary peoples alike, you know what that music means. It's time for another amazing, fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 79. Welcome into today's show. So excited to have you here today. Uh, we have a really fun activity that we partook in in the uh, B block for today's segment. We uh, are rearranging some NFL divisions to create new conferences, new divisions, new rivalries, all that fun stuff. It was a fun activity that I was playing with for uh, about an hour the other day. So I'd love to share that with you and on our Instagram, Comical Sports Memes and Take It Easy Podcast. There's some underscores in there, but you should be able to find it by Googling it on Instagram. Most of you probably found us that way, but thanks for the support. Anyways, if you want to see the full breakdown of the list. So with that being said, we'll get to that. But to kick off today's show, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Kevin Durant because you guys know from many podcasts with myself and our buddy Cam from DSD that I am fascinated, fascinated by Kevin Durant psychology. This was the case in Golden State where Kevin Durant, you know, is a perfect example of reaching the mountaintop and realizing that the mountaintop doesn't solve all of your problems. And the Warriors, I was listening I was listening to the shop the other day, you know the one that everyone was talking about with Tom Brady. And Draymond Green was on the shop and one of the things he talked about there was that the they were very outspoken. Like those two last two championship runs with Kevin Durant in the third season, it was it was not fun. Like p- playing basketball was not fun. Winning feels fun, but it didn't bring any joy in the process of what they were doing. It was if you felt happy to win, but joy was not, it was a fleeting feeling. It was a very fleeting feeling, and it, it was a lot of happiness, but not sustained joy in what they were doing. So. Draymond also mentioned that now that he's gone through two seasons of losing, he's realizing that losing um, it it's like winning the way they did with little expectations was the best. And then winning with all the burdens and expectations and then losing kind of stunk because they're kind of irrelevant and it's not the same like cheery vibey atmosphere with Steph and Dre and, and Steve Kerr. But I found that interesting that, you know, there's, there's different levels to all of this. And the idea that it was unhappy before 
but you're not exactly happy to be missing the playoffs two years in a row. Anyways, I thought that was a fascinating idea. And obviously Kevin Durant and the Warriors are a big part of that psychology. And Kevin Durant, I mean, it's been a weird week where he's kind of, he's went after um, Jay Williams, who also is now liar Jay Williams because of the, uh, the weird thing he did on Twitter the other day. I don't have time to explain it. So Google that. Um, and Jay Williams, was uh, Jay Williams said that KD had told him that to never compare him to Giannis and KD flat out called him a liar. KD went after Scottie Pippen on just straight flame squat Scottie Pippen, to be honest on Twitter after Scottie Pippen did an article in GQ and he went after Jackie McMullen on Friday and maybe by the time you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday or whenever it is you're listening to this, he's gone after someone else. But what's been really fascinating from Kevin Durant's psychology is that he's the superstar unafraid to to say, I don't give a bleep and go after everyone through Twitter like a Twitter troll would. And he's had the thing with Michael Rappaport and, and obviously burner accounts, all kinds of crazy stuff that Kevin Durant. And I remember also this quote from um, Ethan Strauss's book on the victory machine that Kevin Durant basically says, I see and I hear everything, everything. And it was intense because Kevin Durant has always been that hyper-focused guy on what other people think, but we just haven't like paid attention to it. And I think because of that, People didn't want to reward Kevin Durant. And people were upset over the Warriors thing. But the Brooklyn year this year kind of turned it where Kevin Durant didn't look like he was chasing anything. Kevin Durant was, you know, kind of in the background, wasn't really in the forefront of these stories. And only after everything kind of went down, did Kevin Durant kind of like come back to focus in this conversation. And, you know defeat is obviously a difficult thing, especially when you play as awesome as Durant was. And it's a more likable version of Durant because people have this weird psychology that it's better to lose and lose with dignity than to win and win by domination and like win in an unfair way, even though the NBA salary cap was structured to allow Kevin Durant to join the Golden State Warriors. And there's this weird psychology where we'd rather you be Damian Lillard and we'll give Damian Lillard, we won't crap on Damian Lillard for losing in the first round or losing in the second round, then we will crap on the guy who joins a super team and wins a championship. It's like we have respect for Damian Lillard and because of the injuries to Kyrie and James Harden that we've documented well on this podcast, we also uh, go after, we've also given Kevin Durant that level of respect through these playoffs. And so what I'm fascinated by is the Kevin Durant psychology of being unabashedly afraid to go after people who question him because most athletes take the high road on it, or at the very least don't want to create the media drama. And a few athletes or I'm sorry, most athletes want to stay in the middle. And this kind of plays off of what Draymond green was talking about on the shop where most athletes stay uninteresting and stay in the middle where you're trying to figure out how you feel about them. And for Draymond Green, for Kyrie Irving, for James Harden, and for Kevin Durant, they are interesting people because you either you have an opinion on them. It's impossible to not have an opinion on Kevin Durant 
or James Harden or Kyrie Irving or Draymond Green because they're abashedly themselves. They have personality and not everyone's going to love everyone's personality. I was thinking about this the other day too. You could be the most likable person to a large group of people. There's going to be people that hate you. You could be likable to tons of people and then people will crap on you for that. You literally, you cannot do anything that will give you universal applause. There is no one who gets universal applause and is universally beloved. It's just not possible. But most people kind of stay in the middle and don't give you a leeway either way, mostly because it's beneficial, like to not be talked about a lot, to not be followed, to not be cursed out by the crowd, uh, like Trey Young has been, or like Kyrie Irving always gets cursed out by crowds, or James Harden getting booed in every arena, or Kevin Durant getting booed in every arena, or LeBron James. Those guys have personality, regardless of whether it's it's real or not. Like you could question LeBron's motives. Um, for the reasons that he has personality or whether or not it's the real LeBron James that's being portrayed or the real Kevin Durant, but it's more real than guys who you don't have an opinion on. And that's kind of what's important for this point of it is that Kevin Durant's personality, a big part of it, at least in the public persona is you're going to question me. You're going to keep talking about me. I'm going to do things that keep me in the news, like go after three people in one week on Twitter and you guys are just going to deal with it and cover it the way you're going to cover it. But I'm not going to worry about being uninteresting other than the press conferences where I'm intentionally meant to be uninteresting. And so I find that whole Kevin Durant, the, the idea that now he's going after these people and the fact that he is okay having personality when, you know, Tom Brady never says anything interesting. And when Derek Jeter and Tiger Woods and uh, Michael Jordan and, you know, Devin Booker, even though Devin Booker kind of has some fun things in there or Chris Paul go, you know, or not Chris Paul, um, you go, you know, entire careers just saying nothing, just football players all the time. You could go down the list of guys, um, even Patrick Mahomes, who has some level of personality, doesn't really say anything. Um, Giannis doesn't really say anything interesting. Um and there's guys who kind of tread in the middle and, and it can be rewarded because the mythology writes itself. And maybe, maybe that's what Kevin Durant was hoping for. I don't think people allowed Kevin Durant to be that. And I think Kevin Durant played into it a little bit because the option there is always to take the high road. But sometimes taking the high road is boring. Taking the high road is obnoxious. And it was really interesting to see Kevin Durant, it, like three, like bang, 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 right after the other, just go after a bunch of people who were calling him out, like go on a, a like a kill streak per se. Only be, it's only a kill streak because when Kevin Durant responds to anything, it's major news because Kevin Durant has, gosh, he's, I mean, he's got to have, he's got enough social media followers to basically do the Ronaldo thing where Ronaldo. Uh, made Coca-Cola lose $4 billion just by saying no Coke. Um, yeah, Kevin Durant's got, you know, 12 million followers on Instagram. Kevin Durant has probably more on Twitter, I'm guessing, or some large number on Twitter. Let's see what Easy Money Sniper has on Twitter. Uh, I don't even know if he calls himself that on Twitter, but uh, he had 19 million followers. So that's what, 30, 30 plus million people following on both uh, both accounts. So anything Kevin Durant says is going to have a ton of influence 
And that's really kind of the part that makes it strange is that other people clap back at people on Twitter. CJ McCollum's a really funny Twitter follow. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's a really funny Twitter follow, but they don't have that level of people really care what they say like Kevin Durant does. And so it's interesting that psychology of just going after it and people are going to have a, an opinion on Kevin Durant, especially with this, because it's not a new thing. Like Kevin Durant's been the narrative on Kevin Durant has been about the same for like five years now, post golden state, literally five years. He signed with the warriors five years ago next week. And the, it's not a new narrative, but it's an interesting narrative that we still play along with. And what I'm fascinated by is why, why do we do this to Kevin Durant? Why do we think this way about Kevin Durant? Why has the collective decided to make Kevin Durant a bit of a pariah? Maybe less so now that he's no longer on the Warriors and basketball can be a little more transparent, even though I don't know why people don't want super teams. I understand not wanting one super team, but two super teams makes it infinitely better. I, I just don't, I don't get that part of it. I mean, I kind of understand the idea of parody, but I mean, if this Western Conference Finals that we're going to watch game four of tonight, well, I'm recording this on Saturday, but uh, this Western Conference Finals is basically like a six seed versus a seven seed. And, you know, I was kind of hoping that we'd get something a little more than that, but that's okay. Like, it's just kind of the way that basketball fans operate under. And I wish that maybe people would uh, give Kevin Durant more of a chance. Maybe they are. Maybe they are because of the basketball side of it, but he's still got a lot of the same antics that we we kind of remember Kevin Durant for. So it's fascinating. The psychology of Kevin Durant is very fascinating. All right, all right, all right. So let's get down to this fun little game that we played the other day, which is restructuring the NFL divisions. So we have eight new divisions of four in the NFL. And the rules that I abided by for this, except for one example, which was difficult to get right, which was, no more than two teams who are originally in the same division. You cannot have two teams who are in the same division. There's one division that broke this rule, but two teams that were in the same division before, and none of the divisions are none of the divisions are the same names as the ones from before. So you have no West, no North, no East, and no South, even though some of them, are a little less uh, creative than others. Uh, so that was one idea. And also, I wanted to make them closer by geographic location, but are not the most close geographic locations. So uh, takes a lot of the divisions are closer by geographic location, but it does not exactly matter based on how close the different teams are to each other. But I think there would probably be a little less travel. Some things more difficult, but a little less travel in some of these divisions. And so, without further ado, let's get to this divisional alignment. So first off, we have the all-new AFC First Division, which is the California Division. 
which is a little self-explanatory, but it's not exactly correct. It's California plus former California teams. So in this division, we have the Los Angeles Chargers, the Los Angeles Rams, who get to now play each other twice a year. So four games a year. Uh, let's subtract the home games a little bit, but two games a year between the two of them at that home SoFi Stadium. So everyone gets nine home games now, or maybe 10, because it's a 17-game season. The NFL is very strange. It's a, it's a changing time in the NFL where we're redoing the number of games and divisions. It's a very difficult time here in this NFL that I'm creating. So Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And obviously the Raiders don't play in California anymore. Used to be a California team, no longer a California team. So this is the California plus Vegas division, shall we say, in the AFC. So you've got the Chargers, Rams, 49ers, and Raiders in the new division. This would be the closest thing to what we used to call the AFC West, but now it is the California division of the NFL. Secondly, in the AFC, moving over towards the East Coast a bit, we have the Southwest division, which is technically neither, which some of this is South, not all of it is West, but it's what the Old West used to be to an extent. So some of these things are confusing, but let me mind you first and foremost that Philadelphia used to be, or I'm sorry, uh, St. Louis used to be in the East, er, then Arizona used to be in the East. Um, back, I think Philadelphia was in the East. The Cowboys are still in the East, which the Cowboys are not exactly in the East. So let me just mind you, NFL divisions have been weird forever. The Colts are in the South, and the Colts are definitely not South by any stretch of the imagination. And three teams in Florida all play in different divisions. So some of these are going to be strange. Anyways, Southwest Division, AFC, we have the Arizona Cardinals, which I guess is the most Southwest you could get. Well, maybe Los Angeles. I don't know. It's kind of close. Arizona. Just feels more deserty. I guess San Diego is a desert too, but San Diego doesn't have a team anymore. Anyways, sidetrack. Arizona, Houston, Dallas, and New Orleans. I got to be honest, some of these divisions are not exactly like even. Like obviously you have different teams who will be better or worse based on the different like cycles of teams. But historically, this would have to be one of the most even divisions that we have here because you've got the Saints the Cardinals, the Cowboys, who were, you know, great in the 80s, 90s, into a little bit of the 2000s, and the Saints and Cardinals were terrible for that length of time, and then you get into the 2000s where the Cowboys kind of become third or fourth consistently, missing the playoffs a lot. Um, one of four franchises in the NFC that hasn't made the Super Bowl in the last 15 years, which is one of my favorite stats. And then you've got Houston, who was, you know, terrible as an expansion team, but got a lot better. And now is like them and the Saints are great. The Cardinals have been great for a little bit. The Cowboys, eh. But I feel like this is one of the more even divisions we could possibly construct. At least by historical precedent. Like, obviously, all of this is changing in recent times, where <laughs> the division that we'll get to at the very end may be, like, terrible historically. But now it's not as bad. But 
some of these things are constantly changing. And I think historical precedent says the Southwest Division would be the most even division based on historical precedent and one that could realistically exist. Now, I know New Orleans isn't exactly South or it is South. It's not Southwest, though. Uh, the old Southwest would be like Texas and um, back with the old map, which we'll get to another one that's representative of the old map. But yeah, it's not exactly Southwest, but the Saints will lump them in together with Houston and Dallas and the Arizona Cardinals. So maybe the Cardinals have to make longer trips for division games than going to Southern California or Northern California, not Seattle. Seattle's still far away, but still Arizona gets that nice little bump right there. Next division is what I wanted to call the New York division, despite the fact that only one of the teams plays in New York. <laughs> um, it, so this division is the one that broke the rule of two by division. It's Buffalo, Jets, Patriots, and New York Giants. The New York, New Jersey division, um, which includes New England and Buffalo. So uh, that one is pretty much just the AFC East plus the Giants subtract the Dolphins so that the Dolphins don't have to keep flying way up north every time when they play. You can put them geographic geographically together. And the NFL obviously has the two divisions or two two stadiums that are shared, the Chargers Rams now and the one that's been there my entire lifetime, the Jersey Giants and the Jersey Jets. Um, that stadium can have nine or 10 home games. Cause again, it's a very, ch it's a very strange changing time in the NFL. So Jersey giants, Jersey jets will play home and home series every year, which again, we're going to like break apart some rivalries, obviously when you realign divisions that have been pretty much the same for, for some 80 years, 50 years, 40 years, you're going to create some new rivalries and break up some old ones. And one that's definitely, staying close is that jets giants rivalry create a instead of every four years how about have the jets and giants play each other every single year and have the giants play the patriots oh that would be you've got some good rivalries in that division because you've got a few historical ones and then you just throw the giants in the mix with their history with the jets and their history with the patriots that one might have some of the best rivalries in the new and improved divisional realignment of the nfl all right, so let's round out the AFC here uh, with the Atlantic Division. The Atlantic Division consists of the two Maryland teams and the two Philadelphia, or sorry, the two Pennsylvania teams. It does have Philadelphia in it, but the the double rivalry of this one. This one, there's obviously like two rival, two traditional rivals, Washington and Philadelphia, and two traditional rivals, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But now we've got some geographic rivalries mixed in there with the Steelers and the Eagles, even though what like they play in the same state, but one is in the east and one is in the north. Apparently, they're both northeast, but they're just in different divisions. So you've got a lot of rivalries in this one. So you've got geographic Baltimore, Washington, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Then, of course, Baltimore and Pittsburgh still get to be in the same division. Washington and Philadelphia get to be in the same division. I mentioned that already. Don't know why I'm repeating myself, but it's still one of my favorite divisions is that and also good by historical precedent because 
Baltimore and Pittsburgh have been good for 20 years and Washington and Philadelphia have been crap for 20 years, except for when Philadelphia was good and Baltimore was terrible for like a few years in there. But I feel like we've got a good little, uh, good little mix in there between this division and lots of rivalries. So this one I think was the easiest one to make. Like some of them it's like, Ooh, this team could go there. That could go there. I think this was probably the easiest one to make, which is let's just do a division with the two Maryland teams who are about, you know, 20 miles apart and let's do it with the two Philadelphia or two. Why do I keep calling Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, the two pen, the two Pennsylvania teams, but that this was probably the easiest one to construct. And I wanted to make that like the new equivalent of the uh, AFC North, shall we say, even though Washington is almost on the East coast anyways. So next up we have the NFC lots of fun to mix in here in the NFC with 16 teams left. Maybe you're doing some math in your head. I know me being a nerd here, I'd start doing some math and be like, okay, so this is going to be a division. This is going to be a division. All of it's going to be interesting, but I sure would be doing it like, okay, so the giants are now in the AFC and Washington and Philadelphia are in the AFC and the Cowboys are in the AFC, which is kind of unintentional, but I did have the Cowboys I had all of the NFC East, which obviously has a lot of rivalries. I got all of the East together in one magical division. I'm sorry, in one conference. So that way you can still have Giants and Eagles and Washington and Dallas. Didn't even mean to do it, but you can still have them play maybe once a year. Maybe a few times they'll play that division. Uh, they'll at least you'll get a couple of those games every year. If you really care, if the NFL really cares about ratings, I did them a little bit of a favor there. So now on to the remaining 16 teams in the NFC. First division in the NFC is the Northwest division. And like I said, I tried to do different from like AFC North, AFC East, AFC West, but Northwest was the most fitting name for this one because of the large geographical plane that it encompasses. So in the Northwest division, we have the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Denver Broncos, and the Seattle Seahawks, which technically you got two North and two West. Kind of uncreative on the name, but I love this division and I wanted to encompass minnesota in one of these west divisions because minnesota is about as west as kansas city but we put kansas city in the afc west because we only have seven nfl teams on the west coast despite the fact that the nba's got like like 15 west of memphis the nfl's got like nine so nfl doesn't really go to utah um but I wanted to get Minnesota out here in the like what the equivalent of the NFC West would be. And Green Bay kind of snuck in there. It was a, a battle between Kansas City and Green Bay for that last spot. But uh, I think that Minnesota and Green Bay still playing twice a year would be thoroughly enjoyable. Bears fans, you can rejoice. You got off the chopping block. You don't get to you don't have to play the Packers twice a year anymore. But I think the Vikings playing the Packers twice a year would be thoroughly enjoyable. And you know what? In that case, maybe the Broncos and Seahawks would develop a budding rivalry. They played in the Super Bowl seven years ago. Now, Jesus Christ, that was seven years ago that the Seahawks played the Broncos in the Super Bowl. That's just 
that's ridiculous. That's making me feel old and I'm only 20. Um, Seahawks and Broncos might develop that budding rivalry. And uh, yeah, that is the the NFC Northwest division. And I, uh, I, I was proud of getting Minnesota out West because people don't realize that Minnesota is kind of West. It's the old West before you know, uh, manifest destiny and colonialist expansion in America in the 1850s. Uh, Minnesota used to be the furthest, most West state in America back when uh, John Tyler and James Polk were president of the United States. That's a nice little history question that you guys can look up while we finish this epic podcast. Anyways, let's move on to our second NFC division, which is the NFC Central Division, which is a throwback to when there were only three divisions in the NFL in the 1980s and 1990s, where there were AFC and NFC Centrals. There was East, West, and Central Divisions. And so the NFC Central Division will include the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers, and the Indianapolis Colts. This might be the most like present day loaded division. I mean, it's it's pretty close between that one and maybe the Atlantic division. But even the Atlantic division has some uh, shortcomings. This might be the most loaded division that still exists right now in the NFL. You've got Kansas City, obviously just stacked. Uh, Indianapolis, super deep team. Tennessee, Derrick Henry. Think about that. Derrick Henry playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year. That would be fun, fun, fun. And Carolina sucks. But you can't have four great teams unless you're the NFC West and and weird things happen where you have a terrible division. But yeah, you've got this one is. uh, Well, actually, I guess let's talk about Carolina real quick, because Carolina kind of was just the quagmire of this entire it, this entire, what are we calling this? Redistribution, redistricting. Um, Carolina kind of fit in like three. Like I was thinking, you know, Carolina could make the Atlantic. They could make the next one that we're going to talk about, or they could make the Central. They were kind of just stuck all over the place because Carolina is technically Atlantic. It's on the Eastern seaboard by state, not by city. So Carolina was just kind of like in the middle of everywhere on this one. So Carolina... Kind of like, um, who who are we thinking here? I guess, I guess maybe like the Falcons are kind of just kind of random. They used to be in the West, and now they're in the South Division. Like the they're kind of just the one team that's kind of just hanging around, and no one really knows where to put them. The Colts are a good one. The Colts used to be in the East, then they were in the Central, and now they're in the South even though the Colts aren't South, like the, the Panthers are kind of just that team that like, they don't fit into any of these redistricting maps. And so uh, the Panthers get to end up in the central division with Patrick Mahomes, not a close flight, but should be interesting to watch them play a few times in Kansas city, Carolina could be kind of interesting. So yeah, that is your central division. Next up, we have the Southeast division, which is, I wanted to just call it the Florida division because one of the weird things about football is that there's three Florida teams and uh, none of them play in the same division, which is really strange. But you've got Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa Bay, 
and Atlanta gets to mix in. I wanted to just call it Florida plus Atlanta, but Southeast, I think, works fine here. Uh, just encompassing Atlanta as part of uh, as part of Florida. But yeah, so these are just the, the, the Florida teams, all super Southeast and uh, Atlanta. Just move up. You're like, okay, well, now we're in Georgia. Let's just mix Atlanta in there. Not a lot of flights for these teams, like six games a year uh, between the, the four of them. Uh, each team plays six division games, so not a lot of flying between those teams. They'll stay in that South Florida heat with uh, hurricanes and lightning storms. This one, pretty self-explanatory. I said the Atlantic was the easiest. This one was probably tied for the easiest one to make um, with, obviously, the, the Florida teams and then just move up to Atlanta. This is one that geographically, it would make the most sense. And no teams in the same division because for some, well, Tampa Bay and Atlanta, but for, because for some strange reason, there's three Florida teams in the NFL and none of them play in the same division. It's a very weird reality. Anyways, so this leaves us with our final division, which is the appropriately named hell. This division is just hell. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, and Chicago. Just putrid franchises for 40 years though I, I you could argue the three were the four worst franchises in the nfl across 40 years all of them in the same division because they all are in geographic proximity and i kind of joked about or i love the joke i've mentioned it before but i love the joke that i've seen on the internet before that the bermuda triangle of the nfl is detroit Cleveland and Cincinnati because they're all forming a triangle on the map. They're actually much closer than people realize. They have so many football teams in that geographic area, but I just couldn't pass the opportunity to put all of them together in hell, just straight hell, just a terrible division that the NFL would never do because you got to sprinkle out the bad teams. Although now the Browns are really good. The Bears have made the playoffs two of the last three years, even though they don't really know what they're doing. Um, the Bengals have Joe Burrow, and uh, this division is less... It's never been a less awful time to be in hell or the NFC hell division. There's never been a better time to be in hell than right now with the Cleveland Browns being good and having at least some semblance of a chance to put two teams in the playoffs, especially in this NFC where if we were to play this game this year, you'd have... Let's see. Kansas City would win the Central one seed. Um, Tampa Bay would be the two seed in the Southeast. Uh, Green Bay would be the three seed. Um, Cleveland would be the four seed. Seattle would be the five seed. Uh, then the Colts or the Titans. Maybe the Dolphins. So yeah, the Bears at least have a chance. Um there's only five good teams there instead of like the regular NFC that has like eight good teams. And then I'm sorry, the AFC that has like eight good teams. And then you go to the, the, the AFC in our rebrand and you've got, let's see the, the Rams are going to win the, the AFC California division. Uh, Saints, maybe Saints or Cowboys win the Southwest division. Um, Buffalo probably wins the New Jersey division. Baltimore wins the Atlantic division. Dang, the NFC is stacked in our version because you've got the chief, you've got the three best teams. You got the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bucks all in the same conference. You got the Seahawks mixed in there. You got Derrick Henry 
Like you got Cleveland, who's one of the better rosters in the NFL, one of the more complete rosters in the NFL, at least. Like they got some stacked lineups there. So NFC, I kind of stacked the NFC. So this wouldn't be this wouldn't necessarily be great when we were doing it this year. But I attest the NFC and AFC have kind of been that way for about 20 years. And so it may seem strange, but I think that the NFL has kind of been on a weird path for about 20 years now. And so maybe it's not the strangest thing in the world to have a super pair, super parody. Wait, I just realized what I did. You have super parody in the NFC and you've just got, or no, I'm sorry, super parody in the AFC and you've got just elite gods in the NFC. So are we, we're really just kind of replicating the, the history of the NFL right now with super gods in the NFC and a bunch of like averageness in the AFC. Aren't we just replicating NFL history now? Just flipping the conferences around. Uh, Cause for 20 years, the AFC has been dominated by Brady, uh, Manning, Roethlisberger and Mahomes. And the NFC has put 12 different teams in the Super Bowl in the last 15 years. And that includes two different S- San Francisco 49ers teams, like the 2012 49ers and the 2020 49ers only had Joe Staley on the team or front office. So two different 49ers teams, 12 different franchises in 15 years making the Super Bowl, just total parity in the NFC. And the AFC's only had like four teams represented in the Super Bowl, apart from that magical Joe Flacco season. So now we just kind of flip that around in the California, Southwest, New Jersey, and Atlantic divisions, as well as the Northwest, Central, Southeast, and Hell. Straight to hell, everybody. Um, that's a great way to finish, just saying straight to hell. Go straight to hell uh, with the NFC Hell Division. By the way, if you want to see this in picture form, again, follow comical underscore sports underscore memes and take underscore it underscore easy underscore podcast. Or if you're listening on Spotify, check out today's cover art. Today's cover art has the full photo lineup. I, I mentioned that purposely at the end so that some people didn't spoil it for themselves. But check out the cover art for Wired Up episode 79. It's got all of the divisions with the logos lined up together. So check that out as well if you want to see a picture of it. Uh, it with in all, If you want to see a picture of the redistrict NFL in all of its glory. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into Wired Up episode 79. Uh, We got episodes coming up this week with Take It Easy, headed towards July, headed towards the end of these NBA playoffs, which we've obviously talked about a bunch. It's been interesting. Shout out to the Bucks for 37-point beatdown of the Hawks. Told you it was coming at some point. The Hawks were going to have to regress to the mean at some point. Anyways, so make sure to follow, download, Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Doesn't have to be a nice review, just needs to be a five-star review. Write mean things. I don't care. As long as you leave it five stars, I'm okay. Thank you, everybody, for stopping in today. And as always, take it easy, even though this is wired up. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great rest of your weekend or a great Monday, however and whenever it is that you are listening. Enjoy yourselves, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.